to I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. The show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. So this week... Yes, this week we say when we always take two weeks. Yes, we do. <laughs> this time. This time. We're covering uh, North by Northwest and Nina Simone. Yeah. I don't know how we arrive at these pairings anymore. I feel like we used to have like a loose... Either a theme or like a contrast. Yeah. But um, today we were just looking at the envelope and those are the things that spoke to us. Yeah. So that's just what vibing. we're doing. You said to me specifically, you were like, North by Northwest is speaking to me and this may never happen again. So Yeah, I was like, it never has before and it probably never will again. Like, it's true. I never in my life, have I, since childhood, adults, olds have been pointing at the screen and being like, look at that little plane landing. Don't you really want to watch that movie? And I've been saying no. And then suddenly today I looked at the envelope and I was like, maybe today I do want to watch that little, that little plan land on that, on the little envelope. (laughs) I can't talk. So yeah, I don't know. Let's start with that. Do we think we're going to like it? Okay. So I've seen a few Alfred Hitchcock movies. This is the first one that we're covering on the podcast. The other ones that I've seen, I have liked. I'm not sure that I have ever seen any all the way through. I've seen like a lot of the famous like scenes. Okay. I've seen like the famous scene in Psycho. I've seen the famous scene of the birds. I've seen the famous scene of, what's the other one? There's so many. Vertigo? Oh, that's not what I was thinking of. But yes, I have seen the famous scene from that too. But I'm actually not sure that I've ever seen a single one of them all Mm -hmm. the way through. So this will be new for me. I don't think I've ever seen one and been bored. Let me put it that way. Okay, great. Yeah, I think I'm expecting it to move. Yes. I'm expecting a lot of clever and, and watchable camera work. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm also expecting it to be kind of a, like an old movie that I'm like, okay. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it just know. takes a little more when you're an old movie to really impress me. Like yeah. there's been developments. Yeah. Not every movie is Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. I am. I don't think I'm going to like it as much as Casablanca. Fair. I know that there's the little plane. I mm-hmm. also, I think the climax of the movie happens like not just at Mount Rushmore, but on Mount Rushmore. Oh, like, oh okay. I, I did not know that, that, but I feel like I have seen images from it and I just didn't know that. I think this is going to be one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's from this. Yeah, similar to Casablanca where yeah. we were like, oh, that's also from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this yeah, is Yeah, I all, really, honestly, all I know is the little plane and I have no idea the context. Yeah. And I know that whenever I just watch that clip, I'm like, go sideways, bro. Yeah. You don't and have I, to outrun it. Go into the side sideways. And I think the inciting incident is it's a case of mistaken identity, and I think everyone thinks Cary Grant is a spy, and he's not. I think that's part of it. I okay. I'm saying it so that I can be wrong. Sure, I truly don't know because I know we've shied away from that in the past, and right. I'm just yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, embrace yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, but that's all I got on North by Northwest. Yeah, Nina me too. Simone. Okay, so we all know feeling good. Hmm. Great song. Yes. Um, I feel like I know a couple other like key titles and mm-hmm. I feel like I have a sense of, well, I'm, I'm sure an incomplete sense, but like an idea mm-hmm. <laughs> of the space that she occupied in popular music and race awareness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is such a random thing, but it is like what I think of because I don't know enough about her. But um, I had a playwriting teacher who was very inspired by her who talked about how like no one wore natural hair on TV Oh. And then Nina Simone did. And I don't know if she was truly the first or just like did it regularly or I, I don't know. But like he felt very like like that was a, a big moment of representation for him in his childhood that like she was doing that. And like that's cool. Yeah. 
That is cool. Um, so like I, I know she was a hair politics at the front of hair politics. And I imagine that that is reflected in like other parts of her mm-hmm. existing as an artist. Sure. <laughs> and I'm excited to learn how. Great. I was looking today, I was just doing a little bit of like, how many studio albums does she have? Because I'm curious, are we accidentally walking into a 25 album project here? The answer is no. But what I learned that I am now excited to hear borne out, she's a Juilliard trained pianist. Oh, I didn't know the Juilliard part, but I knew I knew that she was like a classical, like I, I knew she was a, a piano whiz for sure. Okay. I did not know and that. And like I often, like played. when I picture her, I picture her accompanying herself. Same. I did not know just how skilled she was. So yeah. I'm excited to hear that. And I think we could even say it up top. Sounds like Nina Simone is a musical genius. We'll see if that plays out. Oh, I'm sure that's I'm true. sure it will. If she made feeling good and nothing else, I would still feel comfortable saying that. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah, I can yeah. tell that from that track alone. Mm-hmm. But I know that there is a lot more. And I feel like there's there are artists who were her contemporaries who for whatever reason I like chose to, as a child learning about music, I made my parents listen to so much of the oldies radio station. Like that was like my favorite memory button Mm -hmm. from like fourth to seventh grade, Mm -hmm. like in the car. That was all I wanted to do. And like my understanding is that she was putting out music in the years that should have been covered by that radio station. And yet that's not where I heard feeling good. You know what I mean? Like, and yet Mm -hmm. she was not represented. Right. And like, I think I know why. Yes. (laughs) But I just feel like I do know a little bit of sort of the landscape of right around then. And this just feels like a big ass gaping hole. Yeah. That exists for simple, but heavy reasons. Yes, I agree. Um, that I, that, yeah, I'm just excited to like work to correct that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Okay, so I guess we'll pop into the future and... Are we going to like it? Oh, are we going to like it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. In, in this post-Marvin Gaye world... I, I'll, I'll say I have, that I, I, I'll just confess that I have, I, I'm all ready to rule on her being a genius, but I'm not sure... I mean, I'm never sure when we go this far back. I always, I'm always a little trepidatious. Like, how much am I gonna? How homeworky is it gonna feel? Sure. I, I'm certainly not gonna be like, Bleh. yeah. But I think. Am I gonna connect to it? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think in a world after we've done Marvin Gaye, I feel like Nina Simone. I'm gonna get it. Okay, so, great. Yeah. Good. So, but we'll see. We'll see if it's born out. All right. So let's pop into the future, and then when we come back, we'll find out what we think. Boop, 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 boop. Welcome to the future. Yes, in the future indeed. I looked back on when we recorded the before times for this. Don't. Okay. August. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> so it's been a minute. We had some special projects to do. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, a lot of this was because I was like, I need, like, Nina Simone deserves more time. and then, mm-hmm. But then I just also didn't really do, I just kept not doing it. In fairness to you, I kept not doing it I was like, now that I have the more time, I'll wait a little more. And so Nina Simone got the the regular amount of time. (laughs) Yes, she wound up with the same amount of time as a regular, as anyone else. Yes. We discussed giving her the full weights. Yeah, we did talk, we did talk about the full weights, but I just want to go on record and say that I feel like she deserves it. If anything, maybe more than Tom Waits. I feel like it probably should be the full Simone. Yes, absolutely. I I think that if any artist deserves the full weights treatment, it is Nina Simone. 
However, we discovered upon doing the full weights that it does break your brain a little it's, bit. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's really hard. Anyway, what do we want to start with? I was thinking of starting with North by Northwest. Yeah, what, sure. Whatever. Okay. There's just going to be a little cat interference in this one, and there's just nothing I can do about it. My yeah. cat has three feet and a bad attitude, and I don't, I just don't know what to tell you. Like, the sun goes down at 4.30 now, and she just, ha- she's... Very upset about that. Yeah, she's mad, and I can't, I can't change that for yeah. her. All right. North by Northwest, do you want to count us in? <laughs> sure. Three, two, one. What a goofy little guy. Yay. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel you. Did this movie feel like Chinatown if Chinatown took itself less seriously? No. You don't think so? I, okay. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let me tell you why I think that. Yes. So we've got crime epic. They're about the mm-hmm. same length, almost to the minute. Mm-hmm. Crime epic starring leading man of their era mm-hmm. at a point where, well, Jack Nicholson was really like, Prime Nicholson in 1972. Cary Grant yeah, was Cary already Grant's in his 50s. Yeah, a little past it. Yeah. They're both pretty, um, I'm a little uncomfortable with like the texture of their skin. Yes, yes. But they're both like a dynamic kind of fast talking leading man. We've got uh, really interesting visuals and trick shots. We've got a convoluted plot. We've got a woman with secrets who's enthralled to the bad guy. The bad guy's kind of mysterious and kind of all-powerful. The difference, I think, is that... Okay, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, the difference to me is that I never... Like, when we were watching Chinatown, Chinatown is just so... I love how Chinatown has just become our metric for just shit. Just Just so annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I really, like, was prepared to take on this project and just, like, not like anything. Mm-hmm. And then we did Chinatown, like, first. We did Chinatown first. And I was like, I don't like this. This it, this is all going according to plan. And then I don't think I've ever disliked something. As much? As much. Yeah. But the whole time that this movie is happening, I get the feeling that they're just, like, having more fun with it. Chinatown is just so grim and so yeah. bleak. I guess. Well, I guess... This is what you're saying is like, it's Chinatown, but different. They're just so tonally different to me that I wouldn't have, because like part of my complaint about Chinatown was like, who is this fucking guy and what do I like about him? And like Cary Grant is just so charming and he does have all the qualities. He's not even a private eye, but he has all the qualities that I want in a private eye Mm -hmm. of like being dragged into the situation, but being like fucking game once he's in it. And then like working all the angles. Yeah. Like the only way out is through. Yes. Like being clever, but also being like, why me? Right. Listening back to the before times yesterday, we nailed what this movie is about. Like right on that. Okay. Um, we did or you did i don't remember, I don't remember we, what i said it, at all between but the I don't two think of I us knew much between the two of us we were like case of mistaken identity weird convoluted plot that's I, climax takes place on mount rushmore nailed it nailed it in i one. guarantee you it was you that said all those things okay well <laughs> either way you guys just heard what it is that is exactly what it is we were 100 percent right yeah i did not know that we waited so long since the, the before times that i didn't even remember you telling me the thing about mount rushmore and then i was like the whole thing sequence on Mount Rushmore was like really I felt stressed by it I mean fair it's a stressful scene I was like what combination of like green screen film clippery and actual Mount Rushmore and also like Mount Rushmore is stupid 
There's and a- what are they doing there? And like, is that what size it is? And like, it looks very rough on their hands. And like, is it even real? Like, are they in Hollywood? Are they at Mount Rushmore? Like, why did anyone let anyone make Mount Rushmore in the first place? Like, yeah. I you were really spinning out when the climax had a was lot, happening. I had a lot going on. Although I think it was funny. They showed the back of Mount Rushmore at one point and you were like, oh, is that what the back is? That's fucking lame. I think, well, no, I, I think what I was upset about was the top. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, the top of Mount Rushmore is just some tops of some heads. <laughs> just like the tops of some guys' heads. It's very stupid. I never thought of that. I know. That a sculpture of four heads has to have a top that is just some, the tops of heads. Yeah. <laughs> but As, it's, especially but when that's it's... crazy. It looks crazy from the top it, back. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're coming up on it... Well, okay, yeah, I guess it was kind of from the back because it's, like, I just didn't realize there was, like... There's, like, a hike you can take, I guess, like, an approach from the back. Or there's not, and there just is in this movie. I think there is in this movie because this movie posits that the bad guy is living in, like, a fancy Frank Lloyd Wright mansion on on top of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and then there's, like, woods on it. They make it look like you could approach it from an angle where you would just, like come upon the tops of some guys heads yeah (laughs) and then like if one were enterprising or desperate just climb down their faces Mm -hmm. like i i was stressed out by that part but i was kind of stressed out by the whole prem i don't know like i just i'm not sure it wasn't for me the whole premise of the movie is pretty wild it just felt a little like why is any of this happening Some of it did feel a little contrived. Yeah, like, I just was like, why are these bad guys so bad at their job? Yeah, and also... Like, literally, they just heard... They overhear, like, one little snippet of conversation, and then they're, like, a thousand percent sure that Cary Grant is the guy that they want, even though he's, like, here's my literal driver's license. They're like, ah, you would have a driver's license that says you're not the thing that I overheard one time in a crowded room. Yeah. And have have taken as, like, better fact than government ID. A lot of the shenanigans were, like, pretty fun. Mm Mm-hmm. But the, like, oh, no, this man is an impossible situation, is in an impossible situation. I just, like, didn't know he wasn't. Yeah. And and I think the this movie has a real, like, old Hollywood sensibility to it, even though. Yeah, that's like, oh, this is just what happens because it's what happens, which is, like, kind of a thing that I don't really get along with old movies. I, um, my film professor in college, in undergrad, mm-hmm. where I was, it is important to note, a theater student. It was not a film school. Yeah. <laughs> so who the fuck was this guy? I don't know. But he was like, your negative critique of a movie should never rest on like, oh, that just wouldn't happen. Because the whole point of the movie is that like, well, today it did. Right. So like, you gotta just be a sport and go with it, which... I might have taken more to heart if he didn't do that about every single movie that was made after 1980. Mm. I don't want to be like a Grinch yeah. about movies that, you know, people need, we need an inciting incident. Like stuff has to happen for the movie to happen. Right, exactly. That. But also like, yeah, stuff has to I'm be like, just you needed to try a little harder. Yeah, stuff has to be set in motion, but sometimes it can still feel contrived. Yeah. No, I get that. And there's a difference between like, oh, the inciting incident is a little implausible and, oh, these other things after that don't really feel earned. Yeah, it's just like, I want the bad guys to be like good at their jobs. (laughs) Sophisticates, this is my cat. She's um, a difficult personality. I find her charming. 
Yeah, everybody does. Yeah. Now that she has three feet. But I found her charming before got, she had three feet. Now she's got carte blanche. Well, that is true. So Cary Grant gets mistaken for a spy. Yeah. And he gets pulled into this Cold War intrigue that we find out that the CIA is just sort of letting happen because they are protecting an actual CIA agent who is embedded with the bad guy in the movie, who is just vaguely European. His name is Van Damme. He's German, question mark? We don't know. He's got a funny accent. So there's a scene. The inciting incident is Cary Grant is taken to see the bad guy who is at the house. He's just like stolen someone's house while they're out of town. Yes. And he keeps referring to him as Mr. Kaplan. And Cary Grant is like, I do not know how many different ways to tell you that I am not Mr. Kaplan. And then... We come to find out that not only does this guy, Robert Kaplan, not exist, but the fake Robert Kaplan that does not exist is fully six inches shorter than Cary Grant. Sure, and yes. Cary Grant is a notably tall man. He's six foot two. So, like, how'd they fuck that up of, like, they're supposed to be looking for a five foot eight man, and they pull in someone who is six foot two. Well, and okay, no, but that's part of what I'm saying is it sounds like no one, they, the CIA does not have an actor playing Kaplan. That's true. They, like, purposefully, he's just, like, a man made of air who spends money and, like, maybe is in the right places at the right times. I don't, I, I don't fucking know. Yeah. But, like, no one, like, the hotel staff has literally never seen him before, so they are, like, sure, you can be Mr. Kaplan if you want to. Mm -hmm. But, like, that, to me, also was, like, is, like, why do the bad guys think they know something that they don't if no one has ever seen him yeah. Like, they just hear, like, a whisper. I don't even, like, what do they hear in the bar that makes them... I don't even remember. Confused. If they, like, accidentally... If he just had the same name as the made-up CIA agent... Yeah. <laughs> then I would be like... Yeah, because his name is Well, that's Kaplan. a real pickle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I also just, like, I'm a little not sure of, like, the CIA's tactic here of, mm -hmm. like having a fake guy to like shield your real guy like i think the problem is if they find your real guy but again it's like i feel like these are the kinds of things that like if the movie if you have enough fun in the movie it doesn't matter this is the goofy shit like yeah. you don't care you don't care that it's goofy if you have fun enough in the movie and like there were times i was having fun yeah there there was some goofy shit that i was like that's fine like the crop duster scene yeah, Not yeah. Not scene I was having a lot of fun with. Yeah, I mean, it was like, this is famous. Yeah. It's just kind of an old movie. Yeah, it feels old. <laughs> it feels old, and like, like of the old movies that we've watched, it's like, this one, kudos to you if you're old and still love this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that anyone under the age of 40 come into this movie without some, like, real hook to be into it. Yeah. Is gonna find it all that engrossing. But I do think the movie is well made. I think that yeah, like there's some like if really you're cool... into old movies, then like go ahead and give this one a go. Like it's it's kind of fun. But I feel like if you're into old movies, then you don't need us. <laughs> but like it's a very visually arresting movie. There's some sure. there's was at least one shot where you you audibly went, ooh, how did they do that? When he's walking out of the UN and he's like tiny and it's shot oh from yeah, above. yeah 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 there was a thing that was like an uh, a clearly some sort of mix of models and tricks yeah camera tricks um, that Hitchcock is known for mm -hmm. um, yeah I don't know that was cool and like the I don't know if this was just like standard practice of the times but making the back window of the cab match 
Yeah. The way that they were going, mm-hmm. even though they are clearly not in an actual moving car. Yeah. Someone drove a camera the route that that cab took mm-hmm. from Madison Avenue to Central Park South, and that's nice that it matches. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and that was um, very cool. Yeah, and just like that kind of like cutesy, filmy details. But again, if you're if 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 that's what you're after, and films is like nerdy stuff, nerdy details like that, then you probably don't need us. For me, as a modern trash whore with modern trash tastes, mm-hmm. this is not one that I would cross the street for. I agree, and it's funny because like. You say modern trash whore with modern trash whore taste. But we both love Casablanca. Yeah, that's true. And Casablanca is almost 20 years older than this movie. Yeah, that's true. Well, so here's a couple things that I'll point to then. The thickening of the dough of the uh, Hollywood code. Mm -hmm. Like when the female lead of this film was introduced Mm -hmm. um, and she was being pretty flirty. I was like, ooh, there's going to be consequences for that. Like you can't just be... Be a forward woman in 1959. Mm-hmm. Like something's got to be up with you. Yeah, it's not that that wasn't happening in the 40s, but I think there was a little more room for like female playfulness and like dare I say even a little bit of like agency. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> that had just really like congealed in the 50s. So I think that's one thing. I also think the portrayal of Eva Marie, like Eva Marie Saint, I think did a good job with what she was given. But I think that the introduction of that character being just like so flirty and forward and fun and then finding out that like she's the double agent she's who's working for the cia yeah. that's all fun and well, unexpected she's not on the payroll exactly i don't think. right she's like a she's confidential informant yeah, yeah she's like a ci I, like i thought that was a fun twist i didn't see that coming i did yeah. not think it was going to be her sure but i didn't like even though they're both very charming i just didn't like the subplot about their romance and that felt like such well, like a 50s like, requirement yeah well and and then and like the way that every man person then talks about her and her predicament mm-hmm. is like it's not it's not great yeah did you know she uses sex like a sledgehammer <laughs> or whatever the fuck analogy it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then later when we're trying to flip it around and make her more sympathetic again, it's like, it's like, well, think about all the times she's probably been raped. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever considered that she was probably forced to do that? Like, yeah, no, that's like. And then Carrie Grant is like, mm, it's like mm, yes. she probably has been raped a lot. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I, I was thinking of her as a little slut, but actually. Yeah. In a very Scream 3 way, maybe all the raping turned her into a slut. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> nice read of Scream 3. Yeah, there's a like a smarminess almost. Mm-hmm. to this movie that is like not like I think I I really liked Casablanca was both quippy mm-hmm. and earnest. Yes. And this was quippy mm-hmm. but this was less successful at quippiness and more jaded. Yeah. And it's like I don't know if I need that. But it was as compared to Chinatown. See, now that now that we're talking about Casablanca, I I, I hate this movie. <laughs> but when we were talking about Chinatown, I was like, "No, this movie's good." Because it's like on a scale of it is not as cynical as Chinatown, certainly. Yeah. But it's it's like the 70s are, are 11 years away. Yeah, they're coming. <laughs> they're not here, but we have to get there somehow over the next 11 years. Yeah, it's funny. This movie technically 
gave me an ending that is more similar to what I wanted Chinatown to be. Like I went yeah. on record saying I wanted the bad guy to die at the end of Chinatown and he yeah. doesn't. And instead Faye Dunaway dies. And I was like, well, that's a bunch of horse shit. Like you just wrote that to be edgy. Yeah. I actually kind of really liked the ending, not the ending sequence. We've already talked about how upset I was about Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of liked the ending and the little like cutesy cut. Yeah, I mean it was a little fifties cheesy, but I did. Yeah, I did I, like but that. But I, I, yeah, it was that was a, a moment of cheese that I was like, I, I was on board for. Yeah, I mean you gotta kind of let a movie from the fifties be a little cheesy because that's. No, I think I think what I'm saying is I kind of almost wish it was more cheesy or more just like contented in its cheesiness or like like yeah. willing to sit in its own tone. It felt like it was putting on airs to yeah. me in a way that I just like wasn't that interested in. Yeah, what was weird to me, well, there's a lot of things that were weird about this movie to me, but one of the things that I thought was weird was he gets in this he being Cary Grant gets in this like increasingly implausible to escape scenario and then winds up getting out of it with a cop-based Deus Ex Machina. At yeah. The end. I kind of wanted the end of the movie, and given how much time was left on the streaming service, I thought this would be the end of the movie. I thought it was going to end with the shot of the guy's foot coming down on his hand while he's hanging off of Mount Rushmore, and then it would just be like, credits. Oh, yeah, no, I feel like that's some Butch Cassidy. Mm -hmm. We know the end, but we don't make you watch the end because we want you to live in the possibility of the that i don't think we were there yet we weren't but i would have liked that sure yeah i'm gonna try to this is gonna this is gonna be like sydney pretends she understands music and it's gonna be sydney pretends she understands acting history sure <laughs> i feel like we're also in kind of a little bit of a tough moment in 1959 of like the transition from like movie stars to actors. Yes. Like I, I just feel like acting wasn't okay. So what year is streetcar? 52. Okay. So we've invented being on the inside of your character, right? Someone has come up with don't show the audience just exist as truthfully as possible. Mm -hmm. And people are doing that with varying success. But then you still got these like old time. I feel that the leads of this film were all kind of relics of movie stardom where it's like, ah, the camera just loves me and mm -hmm. I do my camera thing. It just felt very like all the acting felt very like, let me show you with my face, which is like, that's fine. That's like Casablanca is like that, but it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just a different, uh, it feels like newer movie. Like I'm ready to be done with that. You know what I yeah, mean? The, it feels like the, the complexity of like what's going on. I'm ready for some like internal work. Yeah. And what I'm getting is like, honest to God, what my brain just gave me was Alison Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> that's for my housewives insiders mm -hmm. i don't you know I, I, mean. I know who you're talking about and i know what you're referencing but i don't understand how it connects the way that every time it cuts to her she's like oh like s performatively smoking a cigarette yes performatively vaping yes it's interesting you should say that because eva marie saint specifically got famous for being in on the waterfront like five years before okay yes you mentioned that and i do i have not seen it on the waterfront but i understand oh. it to be like a movie of acting it is um it's so i don't know anything does. about her and it would not surprise me that the person that i watched is capable of acting with a capital a yeah yeah <laughs> but i don't think that's what she did in this film yeah no, I think this was very much I think much she did starring. Yes. And I think it's really Which again is a skill yeah, no, that I respect. Yeah. And there are plenty of movies that are designed for that. And I do think this movie was actually designed 
for exactly what you're talking about. Like it was not meant. Yeah, I no, would, I, I think wouldn't want to see right. this with like a method actor. It would no, just be no, too, no. Mm. I think you're right. It's just like I felt like over it <laughs> in this yeah. movie in a way that sometimes I watch oldie timey things and I and I'm fine with it. Well, yeah, and it's funny. This is the first non-comedy that I've seen Cary Grant in. And I really enjoy him in comedies because he's so fast talking and because he's so like quippy and charming and watching him in this, like I understood why he was doing it. Cause he's like a fast talking ad man. Like that's fun. Even though I think he was playing to his strengths, it just, you could see the limits of what it could do. Yes. And I think like the whole, like you were saying, you just didn't really get on board with their, romance like I think that's part of why is that they acted it like it was his girl Friday Mm -hmm. but they're in a situation where like they're being talked about like oh she could die at any minute like (laughs) she's she's probably gonna get killed by her boyfriend right yeah she's gonna get dropped out of a moving plane over the ocean if we don't save her yeah also we should mention Cary Grant has his shirt off in one scene in this movie and Cary Grant is 55 when filming this movie and He's in pretty good shape for a 55-year-old man, but um, it's weird. It's weird not because, like, ew, old people shouldn't have their shirts off in movie. It's No, this is what I'm saying. I was a little uncomfortable with the just the texture, his texture. Yes, his skin is a there weird was a, texture. a tanning component mm-hmm. that I don't think w- it was serving him. Mm-hmm. There was a, a taut, like a sinewy quality mm-hmm. to his structure yeah. that I wasn't sure about. And also the manscaping, the arrangement of his body hairs, I'm just not sure about. And I will go on record, dear listeners, saying, I know you're like, Sydney, you're just so gay. You don't want to, you don't want a chest hair. Mm-hmm. No, not so. I'll, I'll, I'll take it mm-hmm. in the right, on the, when it's done well. Sure. <laughs> this was too droopy. Yes. Not right. the man boobs. Yeah. The hairs. Yes. Themselves. Yes established a like weird magic eye effect yes also i had already taken the time to be a little upset by his knuckle hairs earlier in mm-hmm. the movie his hands were also pretty orange and i just wasn't i wasn't happy with the distribution of those hairs either when men's hands get like overstuffed mm-hmm. do you know what i'm talking about yes like he's a relatively skinny dude not skinny like i can't think of like the word for just like regular <laughs> yeah he's like pretty like, spelt and he's in pretty wi- good shape yeah, for sure, a 55 year old man he's not he's not wiry yeah but like somehow his hands are too full and this happens to men of a certain age sometimes and i don't like it yeah i know what you're talking about and i think just the flavor of gender dysphoria that i have sure manifests a lot in noticing other people's body hair and okay. noticing my own. And so when you were like, oh, that body hair is very droopy, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, it is so droopy. That's, <laughs> That's that, all I could think about in this scene. What happened in that scene? I don't know. Is that, um, one, I ha- is that one I have to worry about? Yeah, exactly. Is that my future? Yeah. Good God, I hope it's not my future. I need to... Where's my razor? You it's know, like, like that kind of thing. It's like when someone, someone talked about, we're getting personal today guys someone on some show it might have been real housewives of atlanta someone brought up how much of your uh vagina lips can be seen like from the outside of your other vagina lips (laughs) i was like wait i didn't know to be worried about that like i this is a new concern like they were talking about it like like a cosmetic 
mm-hmm. thing of like like there's a like some of the answers are like more right than the other answers. Like there's like there's like better mm-hmm. better arrangements mm-hmm. of vagina lips than others yeah and i was like wait i need a mirror i don't like <laughs> like all of a sudden i've never thought about this before and i'm very self-conscious now. <laughs> yeah like like i didn't i did not know to be worried about that but yeah now i well i'm sorry that i did that to you um you did, I, well i mean you didn't do it it's, it's fine <laughs> well it sounds like i kind of did i'm sure your body hair is great yeah. i as <laughs> um i'm also sure that my Vagina lips are great. Right. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> My flavor of bi curiosity wants to evaluate men's sexual worthiness by their hands. <laughs> okay. Which I think makes sense for any lesbian to be doing. Sure. And I think that's that's part of why the like when the fingers are when the it's too tight. Mm-hmm. It's too tight in there. Why? Mm-hmm. What do you have in all those fingers? You can have manly hands. Right. <laughs> that's okay. Right. I know what you're talking about, where the hand is like, when they're the, like, the, like the actual meat of the hand is thick. Yes, yes, yes. Like a slab. Yeah. No, I don't want that. I want a, I want musician hands. <laughs> Delicate piano player hands. Yeah. Oh, what was so that's say? the most interesting part of North by Northwest. Is Cary Grant's ladies hands. Ladies and gentlemen and everybody else. Well, our feelings about men's hands and body hair and mm-hmm. vagina lips. Yes. I just feel like sometimes it's when we weird go... because we did have a running joke and I don't even remember how we came up with it about how Eva Marie Saint in this movie has a huge vagina. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Why how... did we do no, that? No, I know how we came up with it because she says something about something being large. Don't know. Don't remember the setup. But mm-hmm. then he says in like, we're doing not just witty banter, but sexual innuendo banter he's like mm, in all the right places yes that's right and i was like is he saying she has a huge vagina <laughs> and then we spent the rest of the movie like whenever they evaluate her either safety or worthiness which were often very related yes to these men mm-hmm. <laughs> she is as valuable as she is about to be assaulted <laughs> yes agreed whenever they'd start in on her we'd be like well she does have that huge vagina yeah Okay, who is this movie for? Old people, mm-hmm. Hitchcock nerds, yep, Cary Grant nerds, bored people. Like if you know you like the rhythms and pitter patters, if you know that that's something that's like interesting or soothing to you, but you mm-hmm. haven't gotten to this one yet, like go for it. Yeah, we made a bunch of jokes about it, but there is nothing like very triggering in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the woman is kind of a sexy lamp. She's very much just sort of the object that gets traded back and forth. Yes, but... she is a human MacGuffin, and there is another MacGuffin. <laughs> yes. One thing I did like about this movie is it's a throwaway line, but when Cary Grant confronts the station chief of the CIA and is like, I don't understand why you're making Eva Marie Saint put herself in danger all the time, the station chief is like, well, this is what you have to do to win a war, even if it's a cold one. And Cary Grant says... You should probably try losing a couple of Cold Wars then. And the station chief goes, I think we already are. Which I yeah. which I thought was interesting that like a movie in 1959, like seven years after the Red Scare is like, oh, BT dubs, we might be losing the Cold War right now. Yeah. Just didn't expect that. I thought that was fun. Well, yeah. And the, and the idea that like the romantic lead, like it's kind of a, an anti-war sentiment that like really snuck through, like for him to be like, this is not worth it. Yeah, like this isn't worth it for me and it's especially not worth it for her. Yeah. 
that sexy lamp over there in the car. Yeah, the sexy lamp. Like, if it's going to keep costing us sexy lamps, like, maybe we, maybe these aren't the kinds of wars we need to be winning. Like, it's kind of a, a shallow mm-hmm. critique. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> but a critique nonetheless. Yeah. What was the line I liked? It has nothing to do with politics. Expedient exaggeration? Yes. His secretary is like, you just lied to that man. And he's like, it's an expedient exaggeration. They stole a cab from him because they were like, oh, yeah, I'm with a very yeah, sick but woman. Yeah, but he was creating a parallel between his job as an ad man and lying generally to like get through your day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of those things have in common that they could be characterized as expedient exaggerations. And I just, I liked that. Yeah. As a category of dishonesty. So it it did. It it certainly has its moments. It it has some fun shenanigans going on. There's a lot of good set pieces in it, I guess is another way of saying it. Yeah, but I just sort of, I think part of what I felt is that it was like, here's a set piece to set up the next set piece to set up. It felt set piece happy. It did. It felt like, oh, we don't need things to fully make sense because because we're just saying like quickly to the UN and then. There they are. Yeah. This movie winds up on a lot of like, top 100 lists in fact bfi just released their new top 100 movies and this is on it there are movies on those top 100 lists that literally make me want to walk into the ocean they're so goddamn boring this is not one of them so if you're one of those people who's like i'm gonna watch every movie on the top 100 list sure go for it sure go ahead i do think i could think of 100 movies that are better than this i mean yeah i I could too but those lists are always like sycophants for old stuff yeah i know there's been a lot of coverage about how the top of said bfi list this year is this like experimental French movie that's three hours long from 1973 that is just about a woman living in her house. And everyone's just like, ah, what a worthy win. And it's like over Vertigo, which at least has a plot, but whatever. If you're one of those completionists, I think you'll have fun with this movie. Film bros, go ahead. How would you feel if someone approached you at a party and their favorite movie was North by Northwest? Not great, to be honest just for the reasons that we're talking about it's like there's nothing like especially like red flaggy about the movie but i just feel like that tells me that you've either only watched one old movie and you feel obligated to say that as your answer mm-hmm. or you just don't have great taste mm-hmm. or i just you're feel old. like uh, yeah but even if you're old like there's bu- better ones mm-hmm. that's true there say are a better yeah. one yeah no, it's true. I guess that that's my concern is that i just can't think of what niche you would be in where there isn't a, something better you should say Right, something that has taken the same concept since then if, and run with it. Yeah, if we were talking, or something that is like this vibe from then, but better. Like if we were talking about fun old movies that have interesting airplane attacks in them or something, and you mm-hmm. were like, oh, my favorite one of those is North by Northwest, I'd be like, great example. But if you're coming at me with like, oh, that's my favorite movie, watching that movie will help you understand me as a person, I think I'd be like... I can move on from this. Yeah, because it's such a plot-driven movie that the characters aren't especially deep. Yeah, and if someone tried to make me feel bad, someone comes at you and is like, oh my God, you don't know North by North? No, that's, nope. You do not need to feel bad for that at all. Yeah, unless the last thing out of your mouth was, oh my God, I'm such a Hitchcock nerd. In which case, yeah, you should probably watch this one. Right, yeah, but then you probably have. If so, just, I mean, I I just feel like that's part of what we try to offer people is like, should Mm -hmm. you be embarrassed? We're embarrassed about all these things. Should you be? No. No. Not about this. Not about this, not anymore. 
I no. feel like there was probably a time where you would be. But yeah, I mean, I that think that I think that's part of what happens is that there's this like lag, like things are good, and then they become like the ones of a time that survived, and then they become like the classics, and then mm-hmm. people who care about that the whatever like film the the bigger thing are like these ones are the classics and there's just like lag in terms of like what is the canon (laughs) right yes it's a self-perpetuating cycle yeah where it was like good at the time and it's just continued to be respected yeah i I think that that's fair i think i know the answer to this is this in your curriculum no it's not in mine i guess what i was trying to say about like the hypothetical person at a party like if it's your favorite movie yeah i'd be like what the fuck is going on with your taste if someone else were creating a curriculum that was like I could imagine a different, a couple different scenarios where this would be appropriate for a curriculum for sure. someone else. Right. But um, if the aliens are coming down and like, what is the culture? No. This, this ain't in it. No. Yeah. No, I, I Not agree. to me. If it's like, if it's like the library is burning, what are we grabbing? Not this. So sorry. Yeah. I mean, if you escaped with North by Northwest from the burning library, I wouldn't throw you back into the burning library. But uh, I would be pretty sad that yeah, you I would didn't be save like, some other stuff I would first. be like, you you were probably pretty close to Psycho. You could have even just grabbed Psycho. Yeah. Do you feel like you like Psycho more than this? I feel like I respected Psycho more than this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And I'll I think it. I enjoyed them about the same as they were happening to me. Okay. Okay, so they both have like one really famous shot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right? That's already in all of our minds. Yes. I think knowing the rest of the context around that, I just feel like I got more out of knowing more mm-hmm. about Psycho than I got out of like, like, I think I said this about Spinal Tap, is just watch the scene where they say my amps go to 11. Like, just watch the scene where the airplane chases him. Yeah. Start when he gets off the bus, end when he gets back to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I think Psycho and this movie were shot back to back. After Alfred Hitchcock mm. finished North by Northwest, he's like, I'm going to make a low-budget movie now. And then he made Psycho. They're just, like, totally so different. The acting in them is really different. Yeah, there's just something, like, scrappy and spooky about Psycho. I mean, I, you know, I said all the things that I said. But I, I I, mean, there's a lot of things that I would grab out of the library <laughs> before <laughs> either of those films. But that just rolled off my tongue because we just watched it. And, like, one mm-hmm. would assume that if you grab North by Northwest, you were in the Hitchcock section. Sure. Obviously, I would grab Moulin Rouge and Titanic. Oh, yeah, and Titanic. So many film reels. Yeah. Anything else you want to say on North by Northwest? No. Okay, great. Let's pause for a moment. And when we come back, we'll do Nina Simone. Okay. And we're back. Pipette is purring lightly. So we might have a a window. Great. Okay, cool. I can't guarantee how long it will last. That's totally Her fine. paw is tucked in. That's very cute. You want to count us in on Nina Simone? Sh- sure. Okay. 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 Three, two, one. I didn't have that much fun and I hate myself for it. It's good. It is good. It's good. (laughs) It's good. It's really good. I feel like it just, (sighs) this is why I started freaking out about like the whole weights, but then I was like, we don't have to do the whole weights. That's not the point. The point is not even the whole weights. Like, I feel like I need to watch like 10 documentary films about Nina Simone and about like the civil rights movement and about like, I've and about like the music industry at the time. Like, I just feel like there's so much... Like, to me, if like, even just, like, listening to the songs, it was like, this is the surface. This is the peel. This is the skin of some really dense object. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Iceberg, fruit, I don't know. Like, it feels like the story is not the music. Like, the story is her. Yes. 
Yeah. And it feels like there's so much there Mm -hmm. that you can't, like, you know me, I never do any fucking research. And Mm -hmm. I, like, tried to do some reading. Okay. Um, did a little, little Wikipedia, mm-hmm. little, just like some googly googs. Yeah. But I was, I honestly was like, I should read a book about this. But then it's like, is that, that's like not fair to her as a musical artist to be like the book, a, a biography, a, a good solid biography would tell me more mm-hmm. than the music. I don't, that, that's like not really fair to say either because that it, the music is the music <laughs> right I, I think there is since you're bringing it up there is a, apparently a really good documentary about her that i think was made by her daughter okay that came out i want to say 2015 2016 sure i would definitely watch that yeah i'm kind of saying to you dear listeners that i don't feel like i did a thorough enough job and part of that felt like oh i need to listen to like more of the live albums or any, there's just a lot there's a lot of material you there guys. is there's a lot of a material fucking lot and I was like, oh my God, I need to listen to more of it. But then I was like, no, I'm not sure that it is that I need to listen to more of the song. I, I think it's that documentary. I think I need more info on the... Yeah, like musically, I understand... The whole situation. What well, her deal is. Uh, yeah, I think I do. But also it's like very... Eclectic. Yes, draws on quite a bit. Yes, it does. I really had some trouble. I was like, what is this? Speaking of our Tom Waits conversation, yes, what is this? Yeah, well, okay, so... um, Is it jazz? Is it jazz? I think the answer to that is uh, mostly yes. Yeah, I think it is... Unless it's blues and sometimes Yeah, but blues has to do with jazz. And then, yeah, yeah, and and, but also sometimes it's a little bit classical or a little bit folk. Yes. I think it is those things. No, it is. Well, yeah, okay, I did notice that almost... Most of the albums that we've ever listened to by anyone will have a super majority of songs that are in 4-4 time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll throw in like a couple waltzes. She has like almost all of her stuff could be counted in threes. But I did notice that some of it could be counted either way. Like I'd be like, oh, this is another 12-8. And then I'd be like, maybe it's 4-4 with just a ton of triplets. Like, I, Which I think is what you're talking about. She just likes to have her hands doing different rhythms, which is mm-hmm. that's fun and exciting. It is. I think she's like outrageously talented. Like, and mm-hmm. I think it's like, do you know who I thought of a lot? I know we both thought of a lot of people. I thought a lot about um, Amy Winehouse. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> because I feel like I got this tortured vibe Alto. from her. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> tortured. Well, and like I, in my quick Googling, heard mm-hmm. a lot of stories of like, sometimes they'd put her on stage. Like they'd just like rouse her from like being wasted and put her on stage and she'd like do a couple songs and then be like, I, nope, I'm going to go lie down. Okay. No thank you to any of this. She being Amy Winehouse or she being Nina Simone? I was talking about Nina Simone just now, but I know that that is something that happened to Amy Winehouse. I mean, Amy Winehouse, it sounds like it was just always like her being terribly taken advantage of. Nina <laughs> Simone, I think it was sometimes a little more just like she would be like, I'm going to go do the show and then be like, no, I'm not. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think there was a little more uh, internal conflict with whether she wanted to be on stage or not. Yeah. Just that like, I didn't ask to be this good at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. And she also has that Gaga thing of, first of all, being a mentally ill contralto piano lady with terrible taste in men. I know. Mentally I know. ill bisexual contralto piano lady with terrible taste I in know. men. I know. When I was like, I was like, Anthony's going to ask me the categories on my little Nina Simone walk today. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, new category. Hey, musical dirtbag man, please stop torturing yeah 
that mental health piano girl. Yes. I have three entries. Is it Evanescence, Gaga, and Nina Simone? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, semiotics of music dirt bags. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please just leave them alone. Yeah. Just let the mental health piano girls play. Yeah. So when I was listening to Nina Simone, something I noticed is that she started in the late 50s, which I think is further back than a lot of stuff we've covered, if not the furthest back we've ever gone. Something I learned from another podcast is that the idea of like the album as like a unifying text in and of itself Mm -hmm. really only took off in the mid 60s. Mm -hmm. The podcast I was listening to credited to like the Beatles did Revolver um, before that. The Beatles did Revolver and then uh, Beach Boys did Pet Sounds and then- Oh, Pet Sounds. Yeah, like it was like 64, 65. So 67 by the time Sgt. Pepper comes out, like then it's really rolling. Revolver was interesting to Brian Wilson because it was an album where all the songs were good. Sure, yeah. And so he was like, oh, I could make an, a whole album of good songs instead of right. just like having four ones that I like and then Still some other stuff. the rest, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like there are some Nina Simone albums and this is not her fault and not a critique of her. It's just how albums were made in the late 50s and early 60s where it's like, she's got three fucking bangers. Yeah. Like, I put a spell on you, that album. Yeah. She's got two or three incredible songs. Yeah. And then some jazz standards. Yeah. And then, like, some covers. And it's all good because she's all, ta- she's very talented. But then yeah, there's okay. just like, oh, and then one of the best songs of the 20th century. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, in the middle of the <laughs> album. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, but this is what I'm saying is I feel like she is, like, an interesting piece of, like, so many puzzles besides mm-hmm. just, like, listening to her do songs. And one of those things is, like, the evolution of the music industry and, like, yes. how music is presented to people. And I just felt like listening to her album. And I know that I, like, part of my, like, Gaga revolution is to starting to really care about, like, writer credits. As a generation, us waking up from uh, No Shade to Britney. Like, mm-hmm. free Britney. But waking up from, like, the narrow idea of pop stardom that mm-hmm. Britney was to, like, the more sort of, like, pop auteur <laughs> mm-hmm. Gaga verse. Yeah. I'm always looking through the Nina Simone albums, and I'm like, how many of these tracks did she write? And then it's like, but I don't think in, like, and it's always, like, it's always, like, two of them, and it's always the weird ones, which is, like, I love that for mm-hmm. her. But then I'm like, that's not really the right way to look at it, because it's like, this was a time when songs would get written and then just, like, shuffled around and traded around and like everybody it was like a known thing that like every like i actually really like her cut of cherish oh okay (laughs) there's a couple other like fun covers like like they like it's like these songs are written and they just float around and it's like expected that people are gonna do them and it's part of your thing that you like reimagine them and do them in a different way like that is part of being um a genius recording artist of that Mm -hmm. time is like not writing the songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> like reimagining things and like making them sound like your thing. No, I, I think that's a good point because it harkens back to our conversation about Marvin Gaye, where sure, like yeah. a lot of Marvin Gaye's most famous songs aren't songs that he wrote or originally performed, but he was just so good at rearranging them and his version was so iconic that yeah. it became the uh standard version yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, I think also there's the whole Motown thing with him where like people would write songs 
for a Motown singer, and then they would just like pass it around to other Motown singers so they could keep pumping out hits. Yeah, so it's like I know that that's happening on some scale with like Motown specifically, but I feel like there also was a lot of like just like jazz standards. Yes. Like what? Like that? Like I just like don't understand like sort of the currency of choosing those songs and then what you mm-hmm. do with them, but it does seem like some of that was really important to her. Like I listened, did you listen to any of the live albums? Yeah, I listened to a few. Like, sometimes she would intro things by being like, I'm going to change a couple of the words in this. And she would say that, like, not in a cute and playful way, but she would be like, I want you to notice that I have changed a couple words in this because it's important to me to use this song in this way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like there was a lot of, like, linguistic subtlety that was happening Mm -hmm. there that that I, like, know enough to see is happening but not enough to like interpret deeply yeah and there's also so much of her music is so directly connected to and influenced by and influences the civil rights movement yes that it is really hard to separate them and just listen to the music without feeling like you need to go and do more work to understand what's the full context of what's happening yeah um and i liked about her that she was like cranky about it mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah there's artists of the civil rights movement like you know takes all kinds like mm-hmm. when you're when you're playing from the bottom as we say on survivor mm-hmm. <laughs> you can sort of make your critique palatable to those in power or you can not do that at all you can say absolutely fuck you Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt from Nina Simone like she was in this place of like either trying to strategically or just being in a position in her career where she had to kind of like make gestures gestures towards making herself palatable. Yeah. But that she did not like doing that. Yeah. The, <laughs> I could feel that yeah. chafing. Yes. And I and I like really admired that. Yeah, like the song. It, I feel like the song "Mississippi Goddamn" is a really good sure. example of that, where yeah. she's like, "It's really bouncy," and then when you listen to the lyrics, you're like, "Oh, uh oh, yeah, this is about people blowing up a black church." Yeah, this is about lynching. Yeah, the phrase that just came into my head while you were saying that was "Waka Waka Waka," you piece of shit. Like that feels yeah. like her tone sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm doing this for you, but also fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, sure, we can, we can all enjoy the music that black people invented for you. You're welcome. Like, yeah, we can all, we can all pretend that that we're all just like having a nice time. Also, absolutely, fuck this. Yeah, like, oh, here I am at Carnegie Hall, while people are being beaten in the streets. Yeah, like, thank you so much for inviting me here. This is a racist institution. Exactly. <laughs> yes. A couple of the of Wikipedia's little tidbits were about her just getting like absolutely fucked over for royalties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It serves white supremacy to tell the stories of the times that white supremacy didn't quite work. Yes. <laughs> that someone slipped through. Like, mm-hmm. it serves white supremacy to tell stories of black excellence as if they are anomalous Mm -hmm. and be like see we allow this to happen but also let's all remember how rare this is and it was just like there was something like like relatable and refreshing to me to be like no she's a she's a fucking piano genius she didn't always play the chessboard she just was really really (laughs) really good at what she did yeah not everyone's taylor swift not everyone can like 
also look at the record industry and be like, this is how I'm going to like turn everything around to my, like I'm a mastermind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some, sometimes people are like, here's a really good recording I made. And then they get dicked over and then they're mad about it for the rest of their lives. <laughs> yeah. That also happens a lot in music, especially yeah. to black people, That's especially to black women. So like, like ready for the, I think there should be a, a loosely based on a uh, series inspired by artistic license taken, not a biopic, but like explore the themes. So when we counted ourselves in, I said that I didn't have that much fun and I felt really bad about it. So I want to explain a little bit what I mean by that. It had nothing to do with the amount of respect that I have for Nina Simone, which is off the charts. No, it has nothing to do with her importance. Yeah, it has nothing to do with her importance to music, which is pretty immeasurable. It wasn't even the age of the music. It was just that a lot of it was pretty slow Mm. piano music. And I don't know enough piano theory Sure. to, I'm like, my ear for piano music just isn't good enough for me to really appreciate when someone is like going ham on a piano song, unless I watch them. Sure. Like if I could see her, I should have really watched some like you concert can. Yeah, film yeah, of yeah. her to like really watch it's her work there. Yeah. because I think I would have appreciated it more because it just is like such a complicated instrument that when the yeah, sounds I've, come at me, it's just kind of like a wall. I do feel like there were a lot of, of tracks that my enjoyment had a lot to do with me being like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And hey. I was trying to listen to the listen album. To that little decoration. And also I feel like a lot of it, it, it feels very, I don't know if this is true, but a lot of it feels pretty off the cuff. I think she's a piano centaur. Say more? Like, I think I think she's, like, one of those people who... Like, I would say this about Regina Spector, but I'm honestly not even sure that I would say it about Lady Gaga. Like, Lady Gaga's an incredible pianist, but, like, there are some people that just, like, are... I would say it about, like, Prince, mm. about the guitar, that just are... Like, it's like, this is an extension of their body. Yes, she has easy piano. Yes, yes. It'd, it'd, be, it'd be weird if you didn't have one of these. When, when you sit down, you become all one creature. Yeah. And you don't have to think super hard about, like, you it's, You have to think about it. You have to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, from an understanding of your own internal mechanics. She is one with the piano. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely true. It's just that I think I just constitutionally yeah, I, have no, I a bit of a problem. And not even a problem. I just have a bit of a challenge with mm, slow piano music. And I mean, that's why, like, when we did Regina Spector, you kind of had to talk me into bringing her into the curriculum because I was like, a lot of it was just, like, kind of slow piano stuff. And you were like, no, but the slow piano stuff is really good. Here's why. And then after you, like, said it to me and I thought about it again, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Sure. That was really good in XYZ ways. And, like, now that we're talking about Nina Simone, I feel like I'm doing the same thing again where I'm like, yeah, she is incredibly talented and all of her music is groundbreaking in all of these ways. And... She has that additional layer of kind of being like Marvin Gaye where listening to her, I was like, oh, this slots in in a lot of places as like very important. The biggest one for me was um, Sinner Man. Mm -hmm. That shit is everywhere. And I did not know that it was her. Yeah. Because like we all know Feeling Good is her. Right. I did not know Sinner Man was her and she wrote it. Oh, okay. That's like in stuff all the time. And it is like a really, it's in stuff because nothing else sounds like it. She's always doing Gershwin covers. Mm-hmm. It has like Gershwin vibes to me, but like yeah. jazzier. Right. I just made sure to like when I, there were like, I think two ones, whole albums that I was like, oh, that was like, I had more fun 
So I just like made sure to flag that and like focus on like come back to those ones more often. I thought I put a spell on you would be one of those, but that one kind of. I put a spell on you was weird because it was like every other song I really liked. Silk and Soul. Mm, That's a good one. And the very next one, Nina Simone sings the blues. I also like. I oh, kinda, Nina Simone sings the blues. I kind of discovered about myself how much I like the blues. <laughs> yeah, I like don't really think about the blues. Well, because it's, <laughs> but it's like it's like listen, it works. It works, and it's also blues is a thing for a reason. The amount of daylight between blues and rock is a lot yes. smaller than yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. think. Totally. Yeah, and my dad, listeners, is the biggest blues nerd I have ever met. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Although now he's getting more into jazz, which is why I wanted to buy him a Nina Simone record for Christmas. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I couldn't find one at the local record store, so I bought him Marvin Gaye. That's racism. There was a lot of black artists just know Nina Simone. Maybe because people are hanging on to their Nina Simone shit. Maybe. Or also, I just feel like it does have to do with this like difficult woman thing. That's like, mm-hmm. like some of her, some of her tracks, some of her more like shooby doo wop tracks. Mm-hmm. I was like, literally, why was this not on the oldie station that I listened to for all of fourth and fifth grade? I would yeah. be able to hum these songs the way I can hum Supreme songs. Like this would mm-hmm. be part of my like background vocabulary because of that phase that I went through. But you didn't play them and why? Mm-hmm. And like, these songs are not inherently political, but I think I know why. You, right. They are not considered part of that innocuous feel-good genre in the same way. This is why I feel so like underqualified, but I also feel like this has to be true. Like I just think that she's been shut out of a lot of like areas of this is important music for you to just know. I was also thinking about Frank Sinatra, which I know is kind of a weird one, but I because when I was like what genre is this? I, I, I just thought of him as someone that's like, it's it's not a genre. It's just Frank Sinatra. It just yeah. is it, like his personality. Mm-hmm. I feel like she is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But like, why do I know 10 Frank Sinatra songs against my will? Right. Like I don't like Frank Sinatra and yes. I can name five off the top of my yes, head. Yes, exactly. Everyone should know 10 Nina Simone songs against their will. And I would say half of people know like, one yeah one maybe two yeah and the second one they didn't know was a nina simone song right well even the first one maybe they don't right exactly Um, i think most people know feeling good which she didn't write but it's a it it is the iconic she is the definitive yes yes. but yeah i think people might even if her even if her cut is the one that's in people's minds i don't think that they probably know a lot of people probably know that and i'm not sure everyone even knows the song why really couldn't tell you i think saying that most people know it is a pretty fine thing to say i think that's true i don't know it's like it's how we get regina specter it's also how we get lady gaga it's how we get like modern music and also like i know it's the it's the premise of this that we're like we'll just give it a little look see and then tell you what we Mm -hmm. think and like we know that we're not being but this is like one of the first things that i've been like it's offensive to do that I think, okay, I think... Like, I'll tell you what I thought about, like, wait, oh no, who were those fuckers that I kept falling asleep during? Public Enemy? Yes, Public Enemy. <laughs> All I had was, see, this is, I did not know that. I had a, a wrong thing in my sure. head that I was like, don't say wrong. Like, I'll tell Private you... adversary. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> like, okay, I know that they, I, 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 I know there's a lot more there and a lot of, like political importance that like because I wasn't there at the time and I'm not like the people the intended audience like I know that I'm missing stuff but like I'll tell you what I thought anyway and just be like here's what I think I missed this I just feel like there's so much it's because it's not just like oh no I didn't listen to enough music it's also like I need to watch the documentary it's like 
Yeah, because I feel like you listen to the majority of her records, and I feel like I listen to— I listen to, to almost everything that wasn't live. Yeah, and I feel like I listen to more than half of her discography. There was some stuff that I definitely didn't get to, but she has a lot, guys, and we've done that before, and it hasn't been weird. Like, that's part of, as you say, that's part of the Right, but it's like, I guess I still felt like, even though I was listening to all that, I still felt like I was missing so much of, like, how it fit into, like, it's like she's releasing these albums, but I know that, I, I know she's also, like, doing television appearances and then getting, like, scolded for not presenting herself like whitely enough like mm-hmm. and i know that she's also like involved in the civil rights movement in a way like she was not super into the non-violence part <laughs> mm-hmm. but then when martin luther king got shot she had like like i don't know just like the complexity of like there were these different like factions and approaches but there was still like when they teach it to maybe when they teach it to everybody, but certainly when they teach it to little white kids, like it's very clinical. Yes. <laughs> and like procedural. And the idea that none of us are really used to how messy and intertwined it was. And it's like there were musicians and poets and artists and public facing persons. And then also like political leaders of the movement. And then also like disagreements within that. And then also, but also still like love and affection and respect within Mm -hmm. that and like oh i just feel in so over my head yes you know yeah i i do too i don't think it's a poor reflection on us that we feel that way i think it's actually probably right that we feel that way yeah 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 and i would encourage all of our listeners if you are uh, not familiar with nina simone and you are intrigued or if you are familiar with her music but you want to know more about her as a person i encourage you to go do that because i think the two Going deeper on either of the two will reward yeah, the absolutely. experience of both. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It should be an HBO show like right now. I also, I feel like we've gotten this far and I haven't said like, I found it very listenable actually. I would put almost any of her records on like in the background and feel classy as fuck. Yes, I would I would put it like on at I, work a lot and yes, I felt good about it. I like that. really understood. Like I was like, I, I get like record players. I get vinyl. Like I think mm-hmm. halfway through this, we were like, what if we bought a record player? <laughs> we did. Like that wasn't halfway through. That was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we, uh, how long have we been doing this? And Nina Simone is the person that made us be like, we should have a record player. <laughs> yeah. No, because Nina Simone because feels like something like, you listen to on vinyl. Yes. I was like, I get it now. I get just like put on a record and like I don't even like smoking weed it's not about the weed it's about the smoking but this made me want to actually smoke it like a cigarette like from a blunt and just like hang out and like that's my day sure which is not very far from what a couple of my days were working on this project but like I felt good about it I like that feels it felt that were feeling good I was feeling good like that's like (laughs) like it all felt like a both a pleasant and vibey setting and like a full-blown activity yeah do you know what i mean it could be either of those things yes as you wish it to be yeah and and as we're talking i'm realizing that my my big critique of it wasn't that it wasn't fun i think what was happening to me was my combination of having a hard time processing lyrics and having a hard time processing what's happening in piano music even if i could be like good music or mm, not good music when i would put on a nina simone album i would put it on and then I would be going and then I would like come out of a fugue state yeah. when the album was over and be like, wait, what happened? Yeah. Wait, um, I don't remember anything about any of the songs. 
But now as I'm but thinking like, about it, I think it's just because of my particular weird processing things. No, but also I think that's like kind of that's like kind of a nice okay way for a record to be. Like some of the acts that we've done, I like to put them on and sit there and like focus and like stare at the lyrics and stuff. But sometimes I like feel really silly about that. I'm like, I should be I could be multitasking right now. But this like I felt absolutely no need. I was like, this is enough for anyone to do in a day. Just get five Nina Simone records, put them on your record player with the magic arm that switches yeah. them out for you, lay in a pile of pillows and like eat chips and weed gummies. And that's your day. And you're, and it's going to be a great day. And it's going to be a productive day. You're yeah. going to be a, a better, richer person. Yeah. When I was listening to it, I either wasn't listening to any Nina Simone that day or I did three albums Yeah, that day. Yeah. Most of them are pretty short. Yeah, that's the other thing. The live I like ones, Tom Waits, where everything is an hour and yes, 20. Oh my God. Each of these are like 35 minutes. The live ones are long, but then it's fun because you get some of her like little patter and, and, and like personality, which as I'm saying, is that's part of what I feel like I do not have a handle on, but also am like definitely interested in. Yes. Yeah. She definitely makes me want to know more about her. Yeah. Yeah. I came into this sort of feeling like, this is going to be a wild and unhinged analogy. Do you remember that old SNL sketch where Maya Rudolph plays Maya Angelou in a prank show? I know why the cage bird laughs. I feel like I remember you talking about it. <laughs> okay. There is a series of bits that she does as Maya Angelou, and it's very funny, but every time she's revealed as Maya Angelou, the other person's response is, Dr. Angelou, it is an honor. <laughs> and like... Sometimes that is how I felt approaching Nina Simone is like, I can't help but be reverent of who she is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because of her place in the canon. Spoiler to five minutes from now. But also, she fucking earned it. Yeah. Like, she absolutely earned it. And similar to, if you go back and listen to our Maya Angelou episode where we talk about I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, so did she. Yeah, well, and I think not to be like all famous black women are the same, because I don't actually think that they would be very the same. But one thing that seems to be present to me in both of their personalities that is like a quick way to my heart is like, a, you know, uh, but fuck it though. You know, yeah. like, let's fucking blow this popsicle stand. Am I right? Like, yeah. like, like um, I know I'm smart. And I don't need to fucking prove it to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will burn this to the ground mm -hmm. and like, we'll all have fun. Yeah. I think Nina Simone is pretty, I do think she does really want to burn it down. Like, I think mm -hmm. she's like pretty serious about yes. that. And I think she has every right. I guess that's part of what's interesting to me is like, is it how, is it playful? But I think sometimes it is, even though it's true. Yeah, where she's like, I'm not gonna, but what if I did? Uh, well, but I think she's like, no, I, I would, but I can't. I'm interested. I love a uh, love a cranky woman. You love a mouthy woman. I do. <laughs> it's my favorite. Especially if they're a little mentally ill. <laughs> sure, yeah, of course. It adds a little... Just a, a touch. Spice. Uh, she seemed to struggle with bipolar disorder for much of her life. Well, okay. Let's talk about that, though. Maybe she was bipolar. Probably. <laughs> Since that's what the experts say, and I literally ha just read her Wikipedia page. Right, right. <laughs> but also sometimes it's like, or are we pathologizing women who experience... Emotions and have opinions? Yes, logical feelings based on their circumstances and then aren't nice about it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's also possible. You know? And, like, yeah. she can be that and also bipolar. Like, that's also fine. But, like, it's part of what's interesting to me is that it's, like, it's like 
oh, she's so difficult and like mentally ill and like we're everywhere like slipping her these pills to like even out her personality because she needs them because she's so unwell. And it's like, is she unwell or is the world racist? Yes. <laughs> is there so much racism? And like a lot of her friends got shot and like she kept getting dicked over for royalties. Like, Yeah, and she married a terrible man. Yeah, like, I mean, even it sounds like from the beginning, like she was a classical pianist and like mm-hmm. wanted to be that yeah and it was like oh sorry you're black though yes so you will be a pop musician mm-hmm. and like that's interesting to me too is that i feel like there's a way that she's kind of like begrudgingly like the very best at her craft yes <laughs> but i like that though it's like no you don't have no you don't have to be grateful you don't have to be grateful for your success in uh, these circumstances Incoming another unhinged analogy. Remember when we were talking about Taylor Swift and we were like, Taylor Swift's trick is that she took all the stuff from country music and brought it into pop music and like just blows people's minds every time. Sure, yeah. Is Nina Simone's trick that she just takes classical piano tricks and puts them oh, in yes. pop music yes, and blows absolutely. people's minds every yes, time. Yes, that is a big part of it. Yes, yeah. yes. The part that's even more interesting to me is that she did have a successful career and that it wasn't really in the thing that she wanted it to be. And I don't think it, it's, it sounds like it never like really made her happy be really Mm -hmm. like the kind of music that she got to make was never all the but she also did get a lot out of it and like have a lot of opinions about it and like want to do it the best that she could and like like sometimes like really took a lot of pride in like Mm -hmm. doing the things that she did but also it wasn't exactly ever what she wanted and that was dissatisfying to her like she wasn't gonna not say that right or like not carry that i feel like she's someone who who does not turn the other cheek yes i feel like she holds things yes and i am interested in that yeah <laughs> as a quality in yeah a, in a in an angry woman yes okay okay so just to be mindful of time who yeah. is she for okay i mean the real answer is like everyone who's at all interested in like the history of pop music also i feel like we've said this a couple times about other people anyone with ears <laughs> yeah i i would say that honestly i found it very listenable and there's also like so much influence throughout that it's like there's almost anything that's happening musically right now you could go listen to nina simone and be like oh i hear like Thanks, mm-hmm. Nina Simone. Like, if you're a fan of anything that's happening right now, you should probably go thank Nina Simone. Yeah, like, a lot of the stuff she does is, like, 60 years old, but, it, I mean, some of it sounds crusty just because jazz sounds crusty to my ears, but a lot of it still does sound very fresh, and I think more, even more of it would sound fresh if I, like, could process piano music better than I can. I feel like, yes, obviously she's in my curriculum. I feel like she should be her own class, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like someone else should teach the class. <laughs> yeah. I want to be in the, in the school where she is a part of the curriculum. And honestly, I'm a little mad that I wasn't mm-hmm. like, I just feel like I, I have two arts degrees <laughs> Yeah, and like only one class period ever of my entire schooling ever talked about Nina Simone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just think, I mean, none of it was in music, but like, that's outrageous. Like... She should have been covered in history class. She should have been covered in... Like, I had music theory twice in middle school, and neither times did the piano-playing teacher, who was teaching music theory through the piano, did they ever talk about Nina Simone. Yeah, and I just... And instead they I talked about, like, like, all the crusty old whites. Right. I, yes, I just feel like it's obviously racism, and it's not just... It is not just that she's black, and it's not just that she's a woman. It's that she was explicitly political. Mm-hmm. And like not an unruly. Yeah. 
I, I think musically she hasn't been given her due because of that, but I also think that like all of those things make her like an even more important figure to be studying as we look back at like how music relates to if we're talking about pop pop music means popular if we're talking about like how music interacts with the collective psyche Mm -hmm. i feel like she's a pretty important and just outrageously overlooked yeah it's wild that she she is very well respected like she's on the envelope because we know who she is right and yet you're right. She still feels underrated. Yes. Underexplored. Under-celebrated. Under-celebrated. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If someone told me at a party that their favorite recording artist was Nina Simone, I would be like, please sit. Give me your, uh, can we, can I have your phone number? Yeah. Green flag. <laughs> yes. Green flag in a way that's like, that's like, I, what, like if you, if you think to say that, like I'm still telling people Kesha, if that, if that's your first thought, at a gathering, that is definitely someone that I that I want to know more about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? How? Yes. And also tell me which records are the best and mm-hmm. come on my podcast and do this episode for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My opinions are pretty uh, similar to yours. Like, like if the aliens were coming down and was like, what is the culture? I would just like hand them. Yeah. Do Nina you know sings what? The blues. <laughs> I'll say, okay, this is a new metric. I think sometimes about that dumb game where it's like, if you were stuck on a island with like it's usually five records but like i like to think of it as like five bodies of work because that's just a more interesting question to me i feel like i might pick her because i feel like there's so much there i feel like i could spend a lot of time on that desert island like mining Mm -hmm. that shit and like getting into like i just feel like there's it's close enough to my taste that i like would enjoy it immediately but also i could spend i don't already know it too well (laughs) i could spend a lot of time like uh Digging in. Getting into it. And then whenever I got rescued, I'd be like super fluent in yeah. Nina Simone. Yeah, I agree And that'd with that. be a feather in my cap. Yeah. Okay. Now where can people find you on TikTok? Um, I am at Trash Analysis. And I am on TikTok and Twitter, still lol, <laughs> at Anxious Arch Fan. You can find the show on Twitter, still lol, at Sophisticate Pod. I have to get an Instagram soon. I'm not, I don't have one yet. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but just FYI. I have to get one, so I might start saying it. <laughs> so you can communicate this with all is, the cool gays? This is me putting myself on notice that I have to get... No, okay, the gays was like, I should have been enough motivation, but it wasn't. But it's like now um, for like film stuff. Oh, okay. Like my movie's getting into festivals and everybody's like, what's your Instagram? And I'm like, I don't exist. have one because I have a strained relationship with my ex-girlfriend. And they're like, okay, I... <laughs> those two things don't seem to connect so anyway stay tuned i might have an instagram soon <laughs> Whee! uh continue to like rate subscribe all of the things on all of the platforms yes. please do we are trucking along yes until we get to Towards twilight twilight and until then that about does it here for us at i'm a sophisticate and so can you until next time good night and good luck